Hello and welcome to the last Red Robin podcast weekly of 2023 and it's been an absolutely fantastic season both on and off the pitch for the Robins with Hulkington Rovers reaching the final of the Challenge Cup and the season ending playoff semi-finals. Joining me for this very special podcast is a host of KR Aficionados, as my band of podcast regulars join me to answer five very important questions. Question number one, what is your season highlight? Number two, what was your biggest disappointment? Question number three, who was your favourite player? Question number four, which was your favourite game? And most importantly, question number five, your hopes for 2024. So, of course, we've got Steve Till, James Perlin, Graham Turner, Dan Craft, Carl Smith and Scott Thalway joining us. One person who was going to join us but unfortunately cannot join us tonight is someone who's featured regularly on the podcast since its inception, and that is Craig Escarat. Craig was recently diagnosed with motor neuron disease and is now embarking on his own battle to overcome this terrible disease. Craig has a very young family and is only a whippersnapper himself. I mean, it's unbelievable news. Uh, He's a massive Robins fan and he follows the side home and away if you follow him on social media, you know he's already had a host of video messages uh, messages wishing him uh, well in his journey and his fight against motor neuron disease. And bless him, in, in his quest to, to get better and do whatever he can, he, he wants to raise awareness. And that was his first thought. So it's credit to Craig. That, that was his uh, first thought. And that's what he wants to do. Craig, if you're listening, I know you're going to be listening. Me, everyone on the podcast, the whole of the Red Army, we are right behind you. Uh, and we are sending you our love. And if there's anything that anyone can ever do, just make sure you reach out because the Red Army, the Red Army family is vast and wide and we're here to support you, mate. So, uh, yeah, Craig, let's hope it's, um, let's hope we can do this together here, mate. Um, right, let's move on to some club news. Um, Reese Butterworth signing from the Dewsbury Rams, League One Player of the Year, signed a one-year deal with the option another. Um, Scott, I'll start with you. I mean, it's great news, isn't it? You're signing, obviously, a promising talent, although I say he's 24, so he's not the youngest of players. Um, he's on a one-year deal with the option of another. Um, I, I wonder if a, uh, Willie Peters having a look at him to see what he can do, how he, he fits into the full-time environment again. Obviously, he was previously at the Huddersfield Giant. It's it's not his first taste of, of Super League and Professional Rugby League. Um, I wonder if if uh, Willie Peters wants to bolster the ranks, but I'll tell you what, if you're signing the Player of the Year from, from any team, it, it's a, a, a good sign, isn't it, for the Robin? Fantastic, yeah. I've got to admit, I don't know a lot about the kid, if I'm being totally honest. I, I've seen his name banded about here and there, and it was only at the um, Super League Awards last uh, Tuesday, which I was honoured to be at, that I saw his name come up and he was nominated to be the League One Player of the Year. And I looked across the table at a couple of Rovers officials and I just smiled and he was still officially a Jewsbury player then. 
Um, but uh, I think back then, last Tuesday, we had a couple of smiles across the table knowing that he was very close to being uh, announced as a Rovers player for next season. He is 24. He's been there. He's been around a little bit already. You should say Huddersfield. I think they have a spell at Bradford as well, I think he might have done as well. Yeah, he's, so he's, he's done around a few teams, hasn't he? Yeah, so he's been there, seen it and done it, but never seemed to have like kicked on at any club he's been at. Yeah, he's dropped to Drewsbury Rams and he's clearly not only been their player of the year, he's been League One's player of the year as well. So there's certainly a good player in there somewhere. And I think Willie's just said, you know what, it's worth a punt, isn't it? And I mean this in the nicest possible way, it's probably not going to cost a lot on the cap. So you get get him in for a year, have a look at him, see what he can do. And if he's half decent, then he's got another chance of a second year, hasn't he? Yeah, Steve, Steve Till, are you are you excited about Reese Butterworth? Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not excited by him in the by virtue of the fact that I, I know very little about him. Uh, what I uh, Jewsbury, we've had a couple of good signings from years, <coughs> and um, so if he's as good as those lads, I think was it Tom Garrett? Um, yeah. You know, uh, sadly, he left the game. But, um, yeah, he, he, the pedigree's there to an extent. Um, but he's going to have to be patient, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, we don't expect him to come into the side straight away, do we? Of course, with Matt Patel and uh, Jez Litton there in front of him. Uh, interesting to see how he features uh, side season. Um, James, we were uh, talking about do we feel lost now that the season's over? Of course, though, there's, there's three more uh, games to go in terms of International Rugby League, England Tech taking on Tonga uh, over here in the Northern Hemisphere. Mikey Lewis called up to the squad. Jez Litton admitted due to him having to have uh, shoulder injury. So he misses out, and I, I do think he would have been included that squad if he was able to be. Um, interestingly, Jordan Abdul, who's featured in England squads previously, he's unfortunately picked up another injury. He got a, a broken finger in a semi-final defeat to Wigan, so that ruled him out of that game. But I'll tell you what, James, with George Williams being suspended for the first two games, Although he's still included in the squad, which um, yeah um, is another debate altogether. But it looks like Mikey Lewis will be leading the England side on on uh, Sunday when they take on Tonga at St Helens. Yeah, it does. It's um, going to be a great opportunity for him to uh, to showcase his talents on uh, on a big big international stage. So um, yeah, I'm hoping he goes well if he, if he gets picked. Um, Interesting to see who plays in the half backs with half back with him if he was uh, if he is selected. I think Harry Smith's in the squad, isn't he? So I think he'll probably get a, get a nod as well. So no, I think yeah, to have I think you know for the future of the English game, I think to have quality players like Lewis and, and Smith, you know, doing really well at the clubs and you know getting onto that international stage, you know, goes well for the future of the uh, the English halfbacks, you know, have always you know had pretty good, pretty good halfbacks, you know, you know the best, best in the world, Roger Millward, certainly springs to mind. So yeah, good luck to them both. Yeah, definitely. And talk about international rugby league. Um, Aliyah Brown, Sophie Banks, Carla Nolan, and Lois Brown. They helped the England Community Alliance to a, a 2-0 series win over Serbia. They've had a fantastic time out there. And, of course, the women's side are taking on Alton Raiders this Sunday at Odsall Stadium. 
in the championship grand final. So all eyes on them to see if they can take uh, the silver. And then I think as well for the PDRL side, Connor Lyons representing England uh, and coming away with the Man of the Match award against Wales. So it's it's great to see that people uh, at all levels, at all different aspects of the club, um, are getting international recognition for their performances. Um, Dan Craft, we saw uh, it was officially announced that Danny Maguire has joined Castleford. Of course, he's jo- joining Rowan Milnes and Sam Wood there, who've signed deals to play for the Tigers. It's also announced that Jimmy Kynos is to join York. And then it was officially announced that uh, Johnson, Ryan, Walker, Kennedy, and Schneider, of course, you know, many of them we know have departed the club. Dan Craft, quick one with you. Uh, Danny Maguire. Uh, joining Castleford as assistant coach. Apparently got sounded out as a head coach. Um, he, he, he turned that down and now he's joining him as the assistant. Um, what's your feeling on how it's all just gone about this news that Danny Maguire, a player who served the club admirably in, in you know some some dark hours for, for the club, uh, then part of the revolution in terms of being assistant coach and, and taking us up to that next level. Uh, what what's your feeling on on how it all sort of panned out in the end for, for him and his announcement that he was leaving? Yeah, it all, all feels like a bit of a sour note, doesn't it? Um, I think the fact that he'd been with us, he obviously came as a player, more or less saved us, didn't he? In the in that season, when we nearly got relegated, where London ended up actually going down. That, that drop goal against Cass was massive, wasn't it? In Golden Point, I think he kicked a 40 20 and then knocked the drop goal over. So, yeah, that was that was a big moment for him. But it's just the way it ended, especially with if it is true that he's fallen out with Willie Peters, it'll all come out in the wash, won't it? All these all things always do. But it's just a sad note how it's ended because he has been a great servant to the club, especially his time as head coach last season, blooding the youngsters, putting his faith in the youngsters. I do think it's interesting how he's he's not second the head coach role at Cass. That's a measure of the man sort of going, Yeah, I'm not gonna put, I'm not gonna jump in feet first. I'm gonna sort of bide my time. I know I might not be ready for a full head coaching role. I think that's that shows a bit, bit of credit, you know, give him a bit of credit that he's decided that this isn't, I'm not ready for it yet. So, what, you know, keep going, keep going, learning me call. Yeah, and um, Carl, Reese Lovegrove, he's on his way back to, to Craven Park. It's not been officially announced yet, but although the press have, have reported it, Reese Lovegrove heading back as a tech academy head coach. Great team back at Paul House Lane. Yeah, definitely. It was fans, but it wasn't so, you know, all yeah, Carl, your internet is uh, crazy, so I ain't got a clue what you just said, but um, I probably agree with what you've said anyway, because I know you well enough. Um, right, let's go on to these questions, and I'll tell you what, it is a special podcast, because... It's a chance to have a bit of fun, but also it's a chance to reminisce on what has been ultimately a great season for Rovers. Um, I mean, Graham, when you look at Willie Peters' um, first season as head coach, has has he 
exceeded expectations as a because pundits wise, uh, many people tipped Rovers and Lee. If you if you throw them into the mix, to be down at the bottom, you know, fighting relegation. Um, a Challenge Cup final appearance, uh, fourth place finish in the Super League table, uh, defeat in the semi-finals of the playoffs. I mean, as a as a fair season as head coach, and also not only fair season as Hulkington Rovers head coach and um, head coach his fair season, it's been a, a pretty good pretty good one for Willie Peters. Yeah, absolutely, John, and as well in. Not not um, not his homeland as well, so he's had to adapt to coming over to the UK as well as first head coach role. Um, so has he overachieved? We we didn't have any track record to judge him on. So I think now he's set a benchmark for us that's that's created a level of expectation uh, for next season. And I don't want to jump into that too quickly in, in terms of your questions, but in terms of a fair season overall barring the disappointment at the very, very back end a uh, couple of weekends ago. I think it's been an excellent first season for him. As I said a minute or two, and uh, I think it was Cookie last week, said it. the challenge now is that the, the, the pressure that that brings now of expectation, and now he's getting a squad that's his squad, people will judge him on that, and results are the only way that, that, that people get judged at that professional level. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, and if you can replicate and or go one better uh, next season in certain areas. Yeah, we'll come on to Hawks for 2024 later on. Uh, James, uh, let's start on a high. Season highlight for you. Oh, God, where do you start? Um, I think, you know, so I think there's been so many. Um, I think, you know, if you ask at the beginning of the season, where would we like to be come, come this time? Um, I think you know, he said to us would have been in the playoffs, got to the playoff semi final, got to Wembley final. You'd have snapped, you know, you'd have snapped somebody's hand off. You know, I think, I think you know, expectation is probably yeah, get to the playoffs. That's that would be a sign of progress. We achieved that, and you know, the fact that they played did it with playing with such good rugby. You know, there was a sort of didn't sort of have team to have too many injuries, fortunately, like you know, compared to the previous year. I mean, obviously there was a couple in terms of Abdul and, and Coke, but yeah, I think there's just so many. And I think, you know, the fact that we're able to exceed expectations, as you said, people had us written off pre-season as relegation fodder with, with Lee and Wakefield to get to a, a grand final semi-final, grand semi-final and get to Wembley, I think, you know, for me, it's just, just, you know, was, was, was fantastic. Yeah, Steve. Um, if you if you pick out one moment, is there any one moment that stands out for you as a highlight? Yeah, the, the job got a lot heading, Lee, um, and I mean the second one. Um, my highlight as was winning that cup semi final. Um, it, it, it proved something. It proved that we could handle the pressures of of a big semi final, and it was the joy that it brought to everybody. You know. Um, I was just looking around the Rovers fans that day and, and just looking at the smiling faces. Um, I was with a, an ex-racing uh, journalist colleague who, who works for one of the national newspapers, um, big Rovers fan, and uh, just seeing the joy. I'd never seen anything like it. I'd never seen anybody react. I'd never seen him. He's a fairly staid and serious fellow, but he was leaping about with joy. 
and um, as were all the Rovers fans. I think that was the season highlight amongst many. But for me, it, it was that moment when the drop goal went over and the joy of everybody thinking we've got another trip to Wembley. Yeah, I'm not sure it was Graham's um, season highlight. If you, if people recount his uh, tale of being stuck on the M62, <laughs> broken down. Um, so the result might have been a highlight, but definitely not the day. But Scott, I mean, it was a, a special occasion, wasn't it? I mean, I suppose, and like I said, we'll come on to hopes for 2024. Um, we need to get away from the fact, I suppose, that a semi-final victory is a a highlight of the season. It's almost, that's the same as a quarter of it. It's just part of the journey to get into the final and a, and a victory. But there's no doubt that that Headingley day, although it was tipping down with rain, um, the fact would beat Wigan Warriors and, and uh, weren't through the adversity of Mikey Lewis having to fill in at, at uh, fullback and all that went on. And then to win with a drop goal, it was a, a special moment and, you know, Steve's right. The celebrations that we saw at Headingley is, I suppose, everything, not just why you support Huggington Rovers, but it's why we love sport as well. Yeah, I've got it down as my season highlight as well. Everything that Steve says, I totally 100% agree with him. It's down as my season highlight, of which, as we've said, there were many. There were many, many, you know, season highlights. It was a very, very good season from Rovers. The only thing it lacked was a bit of silverware at the end of it. And somehow we need to find a way of getting over that line. Somehow we'll be able to lift our first piece of silverware in the future. I know that'll probably come under the hooks for 24 as well and, and obviously beyond 24. But that's where we need to be at. We need to understand that, as you've just said there, John, a semi-final is just part of the process of winning something. And by winning a semi-final, you don't win anything. You know, but that moment when Schneider got that ball, me and my lad were in, just, was just there watching it. And we're, we're, I think everybody's going, no, no, too far out, too far out. And he hit it so cleanly. And just that that moment of, there was like a pause watching the ball. But it, it seemed to take an eternity to go through the post, didn't it? But it, the way it just, just the reaction of the Rovers fans when it went over and when everybody just jumping on each other and going mental was just crazy. And I, I, I got a ticket for a friend of mine lives in Nottingham um, and he's a rugby union man to be honest with you and he said I've always fancied going to a game of rugby league so I had a spare ticket so I give him it and I met him after the game and he just couldn't believe it he said I've never ever witnessed an atmosphere like that and he's been to rugby union internationals at Twickenham watching England and he's been to the Six Nations games he said I have never ever witnessed a crowd so passionate and so dedicated to be at the club so much so, and I was even thinking about buying a season pass and coming from Nottingham every game. That's how dedicated he is. He, he just he couldn't believe the passion of the Hulkingston Rovers supporters that day. Yeah, Con there we go. Hulkingston Rovers converting people left, right, and centre. Has anyone got anything different for a season highlight? Dan Craft, and and I guarantee, uh, is it to do with beating Lee at any point? Uh, Wigan. Wigan at home, first game of the season. Yeah. I'm going to go away from the Cup so far because I thought that was the obvious one. I like to go a bit left field. But, it was, you know, first game of the season, Channel 4, I think we're near, near enough sold out, didn't we? Or unless we did, not too sure on that one. Just the atmosphere was just really good atmosphere. We, we demonstrated that we're, in that game for me, that we're not just, we weren't just there to make up the numbers that season. Everybody had tipped us to the bottom. Bottom few, bottom three, bottom four. You know, it's 
we demonstrated that day that we can play with the big boys. We turned on a performance, didn't we? And uh, to be honest, the other one that I thought a lot more people had mentioned was the 40 nil. But for me, that's not. You you look at it, it take take away the fact that it's them bin dippers. We we should be beating the the bottom sides convincingly, shouldn't we? Which we did. So for me, that's it was a nice day out. Had a few pints, beat them 40 nil, but we should be expecting that. So the, the Wigan game at home for me was quite a yeah, I, I enjoyed that because I think you know, going on the back of last season, yeah, we did we did finish the season on a high beating them at their place with the kids, but it just sort of faded out, didn't it? Petered out the season. So to start it home to Wigan, who have obviously gone gone on to win it. We've yeah, that, for me that was a that was one of my highlights of the season. Yeah, I'm going to go slightly left field because I, I did predict that some you know what's been already talked about uh, would be the highlights of the season. I'm going to go a bit left field because with mine, I'm going to say my highlight of the season was um, the announcement of the new board of directors. And the way it's propelled the club to a position that we um, haven't been accustomed to for a long time. And what that um, announcement did on the people and the calibre of the people who came on board has almost made Hulkingston Rovers um, stop being a bit of a joke club. And it's actually made people take notice. And, and people think, actually, no, this is the real deal. So it goes hand in hand with the, what happens on the field. Of course it does. But for me, the, the announcement of the board of directors and also the um, what's happened since then off-field um, was probably one of my highlights of the season, discounting, of course, everything that's happened on the field the jubilation of the semi-final, seeing all Kingston Rovers at Wembley, uh, going toe-to-toe with Wigan, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know, of course. But I, just, I don't know, um, Graham, what, you know, it has sort of propelled us into a, a level now where um, the rest of Super League, um, especially, you know, not just uh, supporters of other clubs, but pundits, etc. It's almost like we are taken seriously once again. Yeah, I agree, John. The on-the-field stuff is important. The off-the-field stuff is equally important as well. It's often unseen and unnoticed by a lot of fans, but because it's been so public, I guess, we've we've, we've all seen what's happened, who's come in. Um, and it, it, it does carry that credibility. I think you're right. It, it does bring us into a, um, a different language that people talk about us now and the on the field uh, performances are, uh, are justifying uh, certain credits that we get but the off the field um, sorry the off the field activity as well is also creating a lot of noises behind the scenes and and now um, with the backing of, of the board again this you know the solidity that that brings the stability of a good season under our belt, Everything's pointing the right way for us. There's no; it doesn't feel like there's any um, anything that's going the opposite way to where we want to be. So, look, this is only season one. Um, long may it continue, obviously, with with uh, the backing of that particular board and the experience and expert expertise that they can bring to to off the field, and couple that with on the field success. Then 
everything's gearing up towards success for the future, hopefully. And with um, with Willie Peters in, in place now for a year, he's got a year's worth of experience under his belt in Super League, in assembling his squad, hopefully learning from, from um, games where we've come up short. And a couple of those have been mentioned already. So hopefully learning from those and... Again, just taking that final step towards that silverware that I think it was Scott mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that, that is, I think, what everybody's craving now and working toward. Yeah, it's 100% the holy grail. Carl, I hope you've sorted yourself out because I'm going to come to you for the next one. What was your biggest disappointment of 2023? It's Carl, your connection is shit, so I'm going to cut you off there. I'm going to go to somebody else. I'm going to go to Dan Craft. Biggest disappointment of 2023. Biggest disappointment for me in terms of, well, it's, it's a game and it's Salford at Magic Weekend. For me, I think we we're going so well going into that. We we sold was it the second most amount of tickets? If, for that, it was we more or less filled that Gallagher end, didn't we? But we were. It was the fact that the bubble sort of burst then for a bit. It sort of brought us back down to earth, didn't it? We lost Sue Bachelor and Coot, all long term injuries, and obviously Coot retired. I think. Mikey Lewis probably had one of his worst games in a, in a Rovers shirt, and he t- that's when he started started a little phase where he was just becoming got out the cheeky sort of stage and just became a bit of a mm. use of a better phrase and a knobhead for a bit, didn't he? He sort of settled himself down now, hence why he's probably got his England call up. But for me, that was just the moment when you sort of left the ground a bit deflated. You're thinking, here we go again. It's all Kingston Rovers starting the the cycle of disappointment again. Luckily, obviously, we bounced back from that. But at, at that stage of the season, it was just a bit of a low point, I thought. Yeah, and of course, Bachelor suffered a really serious injury there. And it wasn't, you know, the expectation was a lot higher uh, than what the players delivered in that performance. And, and maybe it was that sort of bringing us back down to earth. I mean, Steve, have you, what would you say your biggest disappointment was of the uh, 2023 Losing Danny Maguire. Um, I think whatever has happened cast a cloud over the season, coming when it did, all the news falling out before the um, playoff semi finals. I think Danny, I spoke to him a few times while he was in post, and, and I also spoke to his dad a couple of times, and he seemed very happy. Um, the whole the whole set, you saw his reaction. We go back to that semi final, you saw the reaction of a pair of them, um, Willie Peters and Danny Maguire, when we, when we won that semi final. And it just left, it's just left me with a little bit of doubt. Also, because Danny Maguire signed Brett Delaney or brought Brett Delaney in as defence coach, I hope we're not going to lose Brett. Um, but it just puts a little bit of doubt. Uh, in my mind, and um, yeah, that was that was the, the biggest disappointment on field. I agree with um, Dan. That Salford match, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't lose it by many. We lost, I think, was it 26 16? Um, so that was a big disappointment. But, but the Danny Maguire situation left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. And I, I don't know who's to blame. Um, but, but Danny has thanked the fans, he thanked the you know other players, but he left Willie Peters out of his statement, and that that spelt a lot to me. Yeah, James. I mean, I suppose you know it was it was quite interesting, wasn't it? Willie Peters, um, all the, all the news that came out about Willie Peters wanting to pick his own coaching staff, so it's almost like this was imposed on him. Um, but then Steve alluded to the fact that when you look at the celebration. Uh, semi-final celebrations they look like brother in arms you know you couldn't you couldn't see a more more jubilant pairing um i suppose what's left people supporters scratching their heads a little bit james is the 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 timing of the announcement that danny Mag well not the official announcement but the, the leak into the press that Maguire would be leaving um in the build-up to one of the if not the biggest game of the season and the result and the performance has then left a lot of supporters then reflecting on whether that has played a part in in how we ultimately suffered such a heavy defeat against the, the Wigan Warriors and um, you know whether it's the the biggest disappointment you know obviously that's Steve's but it is a big factor in also you know for some people in terms of why Robin the Robins didn't come away with a victory against Wigan in that semi-final defeat. And it just could have been handled a little bit better. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I think it could have been. And I think, you know, I think we spoke about this before, on the, um, before the, on the, on the podcast before the semi-final, that it just seems typically Rovers that something comes along before a big game just to upset the apple cart and just sort of throw things off, off to off kilter. You know, we compared it to, the other the other clubs in this semi final and the sort of just the only news coming out of them was all positive. You know, mm -hmm. Catalan sounding out the Brutus, Wigan signing Luke Thompson, nothing from Saints. You know, all you get from Rovers was this uh, this sort of media storm. And did it affect did it affect the performance? God, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say really. You know, you know. I suppose the more you hear about it, you're probably thinking, well, actually, yeah, it, it must have been a disruptive influence. But then I also think that you've probably got, you had the bulk of that squad who were 80 minutes away from potentially the biggest game of their career. And, you know, I don't know, for me, if, if I was in that position, I would just try and block out anything that was going to disrupt that preparation and just focus on what's going to happen in that game. I think, you know, we get back to the game. I think it's just one of those games when it just wasn't going to be our day. You know, Harry Smith couldn't, Kick a band, he couldn't hit a band off from three yards all season. Did about something like sixty percent success rate with the goal kicks. Scored that first try, turned on some steps and said, "Yeah, we'll bang this over from the touchline." And he really didn't miss all afternoon. Yeah, it's just I think it's just one of those days we got off the shit start and yeah, it got worse. Yeah, it got worse. Yeah, it got worse, didn't it? Yeah, you know. So in the end, we just thankfully it was all over. But um, yeah, it was disappointing for me. Probably one of the biggest disappointments for me was. The injuries to well, and going back to what Dan was talking about, the magic, and that was the uh, the injury to Coote, and also the injury that Abdul had suffered. You know the fact that you know Abdul had been probably unplayable 
from you know the early part of the season and Luke Hooley's probably still got nightmares of uh, balls flying up coming down at him from great height in wet weather and then Coote having to retire and just really disrupting that spine and you look at someone like Lee who had a very very stable spine and how successful they, they became it meant that we were you know I suppose trying to sort of put square pegs in round holes again um and perhaps you know dis did disrupt us but saying that you know there's one door closed another one opens you know we've got jack walker in who did really well for us and then you know if that injury hadn't happened to uh, abdul would we, would we've got snyder probably not so yeah very disappointed that it happened that to those two because i think you know the key players for us but you know out of adversity comes there uh, you know some uh a bit you know some positivity yeah i'll tell you what james i had my um Written down here, my biggest disappointment, we didn't see John Abdul for the full season. Mm. So if you remember at the start of the season, he was what one of the leaders for the Man of Steel. He was getting points left, right, and centre. He was getting Man of the Match awards. He was he was mercurial, wasn't he? He was doing everything mm. and then and then he was just cut short. And um it'd have been so interesting to see John Abdul go for a full season and, and whether, you know whether what happened at the back end of the season would have happened with a fully fit John Abdul, you know, it's who who knows, should have, would have, could have, but um, it'd have been great to see him fulfil a full season in the red and white of all Kingston Rovers. And hopefully when we come on to where uh, hopes for 2024, a fully fit John Abdul um, features in that. Now let's go on to more positive talk. So question number three, who was your favourite player? And Scott, I'm going to kick off with you. Who was your favourite player this season? Where do you start? Where do you start with this question? Who was your favourite player? Um, I think Minchella, for me, and he thoroughly earned the Player of the Year award. He got the Players Player of the Year award. I mean, it eventually it was a clean sweep at the, at the awards, wasn't it, for many? Outstanding. Been brilliant all season. Um, a great leader. I think he will be the next captain next season of that, I'm sure. I can't see anybody else probably taking the reins from him. There might be one or two candidates, but I think predominantly it will be many next year. I think he's been absolutely outstanding all season. He's a leader. He's, he's like that. He'll, yeah, something I've said on a recent podcast, he'll take the ball in, he'll defend all day, he'll do all the dirty, gritty work that nobody else wants to do. He's like an old school loose forward, isn't he? You know, he gets, he gets in all the dirty work and he's, he's a decent ball handle as well. He's got, a good, you know, he's got a good pair of hands on him as well. Defensively, he's sound. Just a good leader. Uh, I think he's been outstanding. He's my player of the year, but obviously I want to give special mention to Skids as well, uh, to, to Ryan Hall. Batch has been absolutely brilliant and he's very unlucky not to make the England squad, I think, is, is uh, James Batchelor. But I want to give a special mention too, considering it's his first season with us, for Sam Luckley. I thought Sam was absolutely brilliant every time he took to the field for Rovers. You know, he carried the ball. He always got over the advantage line. Always landed on his landing gear. Got the you know, got the quick play of the ball away. I think he's been brilliant. So, I'm going to go mini. But there's a special mention for Skids, Hall, Batch, and Sam Luckley as well for me. Yeah, I tell you what, Scott, it's a good way to ruin it for everybody else by naming about eight players. <laughs> isn't it? So, uh... <laughs> it's impossible to just name one, isn't it? It's, it's so tough, so tough. No, you, you're totally right, and 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 to be fair, you know it has been a squad uh, performance this season. There's been a number of players who've stood out. I mean, Graham, is there anyone in particular for you who's your favourite player? 
Yeah, I'm going to slightly disagree with Scott in terms of, uh, I think Mini had a bit of an off part, part of the season at the beginning and, and Peters collared him and took him aside, dropped him for a game or two to, um, to challenge him, I think, on his performances. Um, but I completely agree since then, he's, he's knuckled down and, and um, deserved the accolade. So I'll leave that one to Scott in, in terms of Mini. I agree with that. He's had an excellent season, but I'm going to go Ryan Hall purely for his consistency um, at the tender age of 35, um, still learning his trade. Um, I, I'm going to go Harley. I think he just brings so much to our, to, you know, to the squad. Um, not just the, the, the physicality he brings when he's carrying us out of defence, but I think his professionalism that he brings as well. Um, his attitude when when he gets interviewed as well. Um, the way he's sort of questioning the reporters on when it's time to retire. I think he's got a, a a glint in his eye when he when he talks to him about that as well. So I'm going to go Hawley. Yeah. Although it could have been three or four, and I won't spoil anybody else's uh, spoil anybody else's. I was going to say as well, though, Graham. Stat, stats wise, Ryan Hall blows most of the squad out the the, the water, and um, yeah. someone who's who's just you know like we there's a, there's a few players in the, that role starting with a coach's dream. Like literally, I think the player almost coaches the coach in terms of I'll play, I'll tell you when I'm playing, I'll tell you when I'm fit, I'll tell you what you know. So it must be an absolute dream. Steve, um, what about you? Who was your favourite player of the season? I could name half a dozen. Um, you know what? Somebody who who does it week in, week out, never wavers. George King. I think he's had a magnificent season. I remember when he came from Wakefield, I have a good friend who's a Wakefield fan. He says, you can have him, is what he said. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay, then we'll see. And um, he, he just keeps doing it, doesn't he? he, he I th you know, I, I didn't realise how young he was. And he's got he's got his best, best moments to come as a prop, as far as I'm concerned. I'm also going to mention another prop that Scott's already mentioned, Sam Luckley, and another kid who I like a lot because, again, he, do, he does a lot in defence, Tom Opacic. I think first season, he's come over, there were rumours that he was homesick and this, that and the other, but he, he knuckled down, didn't he? And uh, I, love to, I love to see, I, I love watching Tom Opacic in operation. But you could, like, like everybody else has said, you could name you could name a lot, you know. But uh, George George King and Opachik would be my uh, top two. And uh, Dan, um, what about you? So I think Sam Luckley for me just never sort of took a backward step, did he? He's the hard graft that he puts in that just sometimes goes a bit under the radar, gets unnoticed. And let's not forget, I don't think he was particularly signed as a first-choice prop, was he? No. I think he's sort of come in and proven everybody. I think he was a bit of a, a stab in the dark, wasn't he? Let's, let's get him in, see what he can do. I think, Dan, to be honest, when we signed him, he was probably everybody's fifth or sixth prop. He, he, yeah. he, he probably he would have been the prop that most people would have kept out the squad. Wouldn't have been included. He just seems to have bought into everything, doesn't he? We've, we've, you know, Willie Peters, sort of, we play the whole car way, we do this the whole car way. Uh, and don't know if you watch the, uh, when I sort of 
Yeah, I've liked him all season, but I sort of talked to him quite a lot was the in-the-season players awards night. I don't know if you watched it, we got the community award. And he just basically said, well, I'm just doing my job. I'm I've, I'm lucky enough to play this for a career, you know, play the game I love for my career. If I can just turn up to a training session or drop, you know, I think he took a check onto somebody's house or a chair onto somebody's house. And I do that, it's half an hour every day. It's nothing. But if it puts a smile on somebody's face and they've got a score, it's like, oh, Sam, look like this, Sam, look like that. I quite like that. I think he's just bought into everything, what the club's about, and the community and everything. It's just quite odd to see a Jordy playing rugby league, isn't it? But I think we've got a bit of a gem with Sam Luckley. And how good has it been, Dan? I mean, uh, so so apart, but actually to see forwards fit and playing and not having yeah. two, three props forward, second row, out injured for the majority of the season, we've actually had, you know, and I posed a question earlier on this season is this one of the fittest packs we've had in our Super League history? Because it, oh, yeah. it, it's remarkable that, you know, like I said, apart from so that we've managed to field the our first choice props um, so regularly, and it's either credit to Willie Peters for the training regime the preseason, or it's credit to the players, or a bit of both that we've managed to just get them out so often, so many times out on that pitch. Well, I, you look at the props we've had in recent years, though. You look at Albert Vetti. I watched the. It was on YouTube, bizarrely. I watched it. It was the Doncaster playoff final. He was playing for, for Donny. It was Albert Vetti. Jesus Christ. He's... Mm, yeah. How he got a gig in Super League, he's just... And, and, you know, he, he, he played well against all in his last ever game for us, but Jesus Christ, he was a big fat lad, wasn't he? And that, Willie Peters is obviously drawing up the standards in terms of fitness, and it's it shows with the, the calibre of players he's, he's got. We haven't got the big... 25 stone Tongans, have we? It doesn't, doesn't fit his mould, does it? It's the the fitness. He wants to get his minutes out of his props. So, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. That's the way the game's going, isn't it? And I think he's evolving with the game. Whereas if you look at, I know I don't like to keep mentioning, but the other side of the river, I think Tony Smith's stuck in his ways. With He still likes, a bit like Lee Radford, he likes the big, big units in the middle. But when you're only getting a quarter of an hour out of them and then they're blowing... Blown for a tug, they're gone, aren't they? It's no good. Yeah, luckily we don't have to compare ourselves with relegation oh, fodder now, do we? So we're, we're, you know, we don't look that far down. I say, I mean, they must have WD forty on the next to to keep looking up so so often. Uh, they must, <laughs> must have James Perlin, um, favorite player of twenty twenty three. Well, well, I had written down one guy who's been mentioned, I think, by everybody, and that's Sam Luckley. You know, I won't sort of go through because what everybody else has said again, because you know, it's just yeah, expected to be a squad player, just is now, you know, sort of um probably the first names in the team sheet on the on, on the squad. Played um I think more as many games as the likes of uh, Lewis and the other guy I'm gonna go for, and that's Jez Litton. I think you know, Jez Litton has sort of taken his game to a totally different level this season. You know, he's sort of I think if you say if you hadn't been injured, he probably would have been in that England squad for the, uh, for the Tonga series. The fact that he's could come on and well could start a game, look you know look sharp all the time, would play big minutes, fast around the play of the ball, could come on you know with with twenty minutes to go and just change the course of a game. I think you know look at the Wakefield game 
I think you know he had, he had a cameo of twenty minutes. It's got two. It's got two trials and basically changed that whole the whole complex of the game. That essentially made sure, probably made sure we had uh, that home game in the playoffs against uh, against Lee. Um, the fact that he's been got an extended his contract by another four years, I think, you know, just shows the you know how the club really want to sort of keep the likes of him there and build you know a, a really you know, decent squad around the likes of him and Minchella and Abdul and Lewis, etc. Keeping them all together, it's going to be you know bode well for the future. So I think you know Lytton's got a great future in the game. I think you know obviously when Parcel goes, you know I think he's rumored to be retiring end of next season. I think you know he will be Lytton obviously become the number one hooker, and then potentially Reece Butterworth's going to be yeah, that that uh, that understudy for him, and he's going to have a great uh, guy to 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 learn off. Yeah, he's only about twenty five or something. 24. Um, I mean, 24, even doing him a disservice, yeah. But I'll tell you what, one player who, who I'm surprised not most of you haven't mentioned really is uh, and, and Graham, I want you to be my sounding board or my, my sense checker on this is uh, Mikey Lewis. I just what a an absolute talent we've got in our hands. The fact that he's uh, made his way into the England squad and, and he's probably, probably, we'll find out on Sunday pushed himself into a starting position for the national side. Um, for someone at such a young age, someone who's carried the burden of the supporters' expectations in terms of wanting a homegrown six or seven uh, in that position, uh, many have failed you know, to, to, to live up to them expectations. And to see a player like him um, ride through a rough spell this season... Uh, where he was probably either trying too hard, he was either trying to make things happen, he was either trying to to play a game that he thought he should be playing, and to then to see him come out at the back end of the season and almost lead the side to to um, you know Old Trafford, and then for for me, what capped it was seeing him deliver the speech at the end of the the game against Wigan. And to see him pole position in front of every single player, uh, delivering that end of uh, game speech. Um, I don't know, Graham. You know, I think maybe the expectations on Mikey and, and and the pressure on him, like we all almost expect him just to be good, and and actually we forget he's such a young player. He's 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 still learning his game, and for me, Mikey Lewis as as you know, not maybe exceeded expectations, but he certainly lived up to them for me. Yeah, I'd agree with a lot of what you said there, John. I think for me, the reason personally I haven't mentioned him in my little bit was was consistency and he's, he's been too spiky in terms of levels of performance for me. And I appreciate he's done a lot this season. He's probably in his, what, fourth season as a pro? Um, something like that. So... Again, as you said, massively learning the game still. Uh, completely agree on, as I say, most of the points there. But I think this season he will have learned a huge amount in, in terms of uh, attitude, behaviour. We've learned he can adapt as well. When he got asked to play fullback, he's, he's done that admirably. Um, he's also stepped up in the in the halves as well. Um, I think it, it helped him when Schneider arrived as well to, to allow that balance to, to allow Mikey to do what Mikey can do. And I think that's that, that that sort of should go hand in hand with with not just all about Mikey doing it. But for me he's had he's had some 
Um, some games where he's been, like you said, possibly trying to do too much, trying to carry the, the team literally on his shoulders, and and that wasn't what's required. He he got he got um, he got found out on a couple of occasions where he was ineffective in games. Look at the league game away, first first few minutes, etc. Um, incidents where he's is losing his cool and, and getting wound up by opposition that take away, you know, all that take away from his uh, his game that we know and love. So for me, I agree on most of what you said there, but but I would want to see more consistency from him on a week-on-week basis. Uh, now, again, that could be injuries in and around him that, that affect that. But when he's playing in the, the halves, I'd like to see him with a settled partner and doing what he can do, obviously. Um, but again, for, for me, recognition he's got with the England call-up Fully deserved. Uh, I think he's shown good glimpses of that throughout the season. So for me now, for him next season, it's got to be about consistently high level of performance. Yeah. And do you know what? I was looking at other sports and I was trying to sort of compare him to um, somebody else and, and stuff. The only person um, I could maybe compare him to, Scott, um, is Wayne Rooney. Now that's that's throwing it out there, but in terms of a young a young player with expectation and someone's burst onto the scene and delivered to a certain level and then created expectancy based on that, you know, I'm struggling to look at other sports, other sports, but I'm struggling to look at anyone in rugby league who, who's who's done that, especially in recent, you know, if you talk about recent history, the last twenty years. Um, I don't know, and I, I do think. Michael Lewis, he's unfortunate in terms of him having to carry the burden of expectation on his shoulders. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, maybe the other one that springs to mind now is maybe Jude Bellingham. You know, like, he was fantastic, wasn't he? You know, very, very similar to Wayne Rooney, best on the scene. Uh, and it, but it's maintaining it, isn't it? You know, I, I, sometimes we see these players are best onto the scene and they're absolutely fantastic for a few years and then they go by the wayside and they start dropping into lower leagues and stuff like that. I don't, obviously, that's not going to happen with Mikey, of course. Um, but it's it's tough for him because it's, with him being the homegrown lad as well, you know, there is a big expectation on his shoulders. Every time he plays, he's expected to, to rip it up, he's expected to lead by example. And we know he's had those spiky moments, certainly this season, when the going's got tough a little bit. But I think sometimes it, it can be frustrating every now and then when he gives these penalties away and stuff like that. But I think if you try and kick that out of his game, you lose a, a lot of what Mikey is. Um, and I think the, 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 it's getting that balance. It's getting that balance of being, you know, getting in and around. Sam Tompkins is an example, isn't he? You know, he gets in and around referees and people, doesn't he, and stuff. But he does it in a way where... You, you hate him if he's playing against you, but if he's in your team, you absolutely adore him, don't you? And I think that's where Mikey is at the moment. But he's got to control it better, I think. You've still got to have that spikiness about him. But the Wayne Rooney analogy is very sick. I agree with that. Yeah, why not? You know, I remember that goal he scored against Arsenal. Remember the name Wayne Rooney. And people certainly remembered it, didn't they? I think we have to remember the name Mikey Lewis. And if he runs out for England on Sunday against Tonga, well... Not only is that brilliant for Mikey as an individual, of course it is, but it's fantastic for OKR as well, isn't it? That, you know, one of the halfbacks playing for England against Tonga in a test series is one of our homegrown talents. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, well, brilliant. And then over on YouTube, Mr. Hull Rockers, he put Mikey Lewis. If you're an England halfback, you would not want Mikey to get a shot while you're banned. 
He's a precarious talent. He's quite likely to steal the show. And then uh, Baza, um, some great comments so far. I mean, is it worth uh, bringing the number six shout of retirement for Mikey? He's worthy of Millwood share. I'd, um, I'd maybe give him about eight, ten more years to see what he does before we uh, even that enter that conversation. But it's a, a worthy point. Uh, Maybe later on, if this podcast is still going on in in ten years' time, it'll be a great debate to have. Um, um, I tell you what, right? We've already talked about season highlights, um, and we've edged on what was your favourite game, Steve Till. Um, what was your favourite game of the season? St Helens at home. Ooh, good one! I had that down on my list. Dan Dan mentioned Wigan at home in the first match of the season. Well. First matches often bring out results that you don't expect, but the St. Helens at home, that 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 proved that we were on the upward spiral as far as I was concerned. And I loved the game. <laughs> ben Thaler refereed it. He made some kind of random decisions. Um, none better than the one where he pulled St. Helens back, for, gave us a penalty, and we're all wondering what's he giving the penalty for. Um but that game, that game for me was by far my favourite because of it just proved that we were well and truly on an upward spiral. And we, we, we beat the world champions. Yeah, it's a great one. It's probably one that's overlooked in terms of the course of the season. Uh, Carl Smith, great to have you back finally. Um, if your microphone shit this time, you definitely are being cut off. Um, what was your game of the season? My game of the season was uh, not not necessarily because of the scoreline. Was the Salford game after the Challenge Cup final? I know they played St Helens straight after the cup final, but the the Salford game, sorry, the league game after the St Helens game, was my uh, my favourite game. For the simple fact is, the season was on the line. Then it was it was do or die, wasn't it? And I think as a club, that result moved us forward. And I think that shows the strides we've made over the last couple of seasons. I think in recent years, we'd lost that cup final, got beat by Saints and then got beat by Lee. You know, that would have been season over, done and dusted. So for me, that was a favourite game of my of my season. Yeah, it's a great point. Dan Craft, what about you? Favourite game of the season? Uh, for me, I've gone Huddersfield away. Fucking hell. One of the final games of the season. Wow, did you have that? No. <laughs> I don't think nobody's had that one, Dan. No, just sort of feel the way. I just think it was just a, a... It was one of the most enjoyable away games I've been to for a long time. Just the whole atmosphere around the place. It was what, two and a half thousand of us turned up. We more or less filled that away. And it, it, like, like Carl said, season was on the line at that stage. We had to win. It was pushing for that fourth place. We had to win. It was just a really good atmosphere. There was good performance. We nearly threw it away at the end, but it was just that digging in, and it was great. Like for me, it was just it was just a, a positive. It felt it felt positive for the past few seasons. You just there's been an air of negativity about the place, hasn't there? Well, Since... I was going to say, Dan. To be fair, Huddersfield away in a game that. Um... Many Rovers fans really look forward to it, you know. No, we're awful there, aren't we? Yeah. yeah, it was just 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 a good atmosphere. There was no, even though everybody had had a drink, there was no idiots lobbing bottles and stuff, you know, like you do get sometimes. And for me, I just just enjoyed it. I think 
like I say, it was just enjoyable to go and watch Rovers play well, win at a place we don't usually win, and just yeah, good atmosphere. Just have a good day out. Good day out, yeah. Graham, favourite yeah. game of the season? Well, sorry, Graham, I've muted with you. Yeah, I have to do everything wrong here, John. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm going to agree with Steve, uh, Saints at home. Um, that, for me, uh, proved that the Wigan result wasn't a fluke. Uh, and it proved we could hold our own with the big boys. Um, and it, it instilled in me a confidence in our system, our belief, our performance. That was one of the first times when I sort of really understood what OKR way is around that effort, uh, working hard for each other, process, etc. So for me, that, that set us in good stead. Um, I think when we veered away from that, we we you know the results didn't match up. But agree with with, with Steve completely. There's a couple of highlights around pull away seeing your team at Wembley, but that that for me was was a good benchmark of what was about to come for the season and, and where where we're pitching ourselves as a as a team and as a club now. It's it's mixing it with the Wiggins. It's mixing it with the same talents. Um, yeah, that 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 was for me, James. Um, it, like the guys have said, I think it's hard to choose. There's so many. I mean, there's obviously the Catalan game at home when we've been for the first time in about 10 years or so. But for me, I'm actually going to go for two that two games that were quite similar. And for me, just really epitomized the probably the grit and the determination that we've, we've got in the squad and some that we've probably been lacking in the um in, in the in previous years. that if we'd have played in these games, the squad we've had in previous years and have played in these games would have lost them. And it was the Castleford away game on Sky and the Leeds away game uh, where, you know, they weren't exactly the, the best quality games, but we 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 basically played, it was an ugly, ugly games. And I think in years gone by, we'd have lost those games. You know, Castleford, we'd got a new coach. Andy Lass had been appointed full-time, so there was, expect, was expecting a bounce from them. Leeds, Last year we went to Leeds, and that's when the basically the season started to go tits up. But you know we basically dug it, dug out, dug in, and basically somehow managed to get a win. And obviously the Leeds game was the, the debut for um, for Brad Schneider, um, and we just got a glimpse of what he could do and how it sort of then as he sort of developed into that role in in halfbacks, how he sort of helps you know push the, pushes on you know to you know to to, to great things. Yeah, the uh, the Wigan Challenge Cup semi final is an obvious one. I've I've avoided that one. I mean, we're probably scattered over the fact, you know, the forty nil victory. You know, maybe it was so early on in the season where, um, not not necessarily because of who we beat, but because of some of the tries that we scored were absolutely joyous, scintillating rugby league. It was just sometimes pure pure attacking rugby league and I think the trials scored there and then if you go to maybe the other side um you go I agree with you James that for me the uh 11 oh no the uh, 1918 victory over Leeds was quite a pivotal victory bearing in mind we had the semi-final up next and, and it was it was all and it was Brad Schneider's debut of course scored a try um and of course he got the golden point drop goal which he um Got after, don't forget as well, 
He hit the crossbar, went under, and he still came back and managed to land the point what counted. I mean, um, for me, that was a, a victory that um, was needed in terms of being able to do the dirty stuff and still come away with victory. And don't get me wrong as well, Leeds had chances to win that, but for our mm. defence, we managed to, to hold out, we managed to front up. Um, aside missing Jordan Abdul, Mikey Lewis, Kane Lynette, and we still managed to come away with And I, I don't think we'd have won that Wigan Challenge Cup semi-final without winning that game. It was almost like we needed to, to do that. And, and we did it dirty. It was chucking down with rain, mm. stunning the mm. Western Terrace as a supporter. It was horrible. Um, it wasn't great. And you know what? I suppose as a supporter, it's not always about the, the glamour, is it? It's, sometimes it's about the dirty stuff and it's about being there mm. when it was shit and adversity and all that. And they're the victories that sometimes are a bit more sweeter than... Than, than the big ones, although I would like to see Rovers win a trophy. So um, if you're listening, players, coaches, um, we would like that glamour. But yeah, for me, that's where I, uh, for me, that that Leeds one was, was um, probably one of the one of the games of the season, which then leads us on to expectations for 2024. Um, Scott, I'll come to you. Um, and no doubt everybody's expectations are the same, uh, but it'd be interesting to see what, um, Scott, you want from the club and what you you want from the team in 2024. As I said earlier, getting to semi-finals doesn't win you anything. We need to push on and we need to lift a trophy. We've come close this season. Um, I still think we should have beat Lee at Wembley personally you know there was for whatever reason we didn't of course but we need to push on we need to lift a trophy we certainly can't afford to go backwards that would be a negative like Salford last year got in the playoffs didn't they this year they haven't made the playoffs so we can't afford to go backwards we need to push on and if this power board that we've got in place are really are serious about taking OK out of the next level and taking us on to be a regular top four team or even a top two team on a regular basis, then the club needs to push on not only off the pitch, but on the pitch too. Now, whether that includes signing a, a marquee player or two, well, that's probably not going to happen next season, but you know, I think that's if, if you're Wiggins and you know you're Warrington's, or I know Warrington have struggled this season, but if your so called bigger clubs are signing marquee players, I think we have to go with them because that's the only way you're going to get in a way to challenge to win trophies alongside them. If you, if, if you, if you can't beat them, join them, so, so to speak. So, whether that's something that's applicable in the future, I know the club have muted that it is possible that the club marquee players could be signed in the future. I think. That's an important step, but also keeping that, you know, that local bond of, of, of what it's about, you know, the community club, the community and the fans and, and the unit that we all are. Um, I think as Paul Sewell said in his speech at the Player of the Year Awards, if we all sing from the same hymn sheet, we can, we can achieve great things. Uh, and, and he's right. But sometimes you just have to sort of push the boat out a little bit. You don't want to be just the also rounds, do you? Oh, they've got to another um. semi and they've got to another final, but they've lost it again. You know, we've got to get over that line somehow. I'm desperate, absolutely desperate. Just Even if it's just one trophy in my entire life, 
I mean, I was there through the 80s as a young lad and I saw win all those trophies as a young lad. But I'm just desperate. Even if we just lift the Challenge Cup once or the Super League trophy once, I'd be happy. You know, I'm sure all of us would, but we want a sustainability, don't we, in the club? And that's what I'm looking for, sustainability and progress, really. Yeah, and, and Steve, when we talk about hopes of 2024, I suppose Willie Peters and the squad this season have, have maybe lifted our expectations because... Um, I don't know. Do you agree that anything less than a Challenge Cup final and a, a playoff semi final is 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 that a, a bad season for the Robins next year? I've written down here that the one thing I don't want is that the, the, the what what we don't want to be is another Castleford, Huddersfield, or Salford, and that that's pretty, pretty much what Scott's saying there. Um, you know, the I mean, Cass and Huddersfield won the what what they call the hubcap, didn't they? The league leaders trophy and and failed after that, and and both teams haven't really achieved much in in terms of trophy winning. So we've it would be great to win the trophy. I I I'll go back. I'm gonna go. You, I've, I've done it before on on the podcast, so I'm gonna do it again. I go back to the. Uh, Late seventies, early eighties, and we won the flooded trophy. That was that was our open trophy in those, you know, in those days. We were absolutely delighted. Then we won at Wembley, and you know, absolutely delighted. And then you think, well, what comes next? And eventually, we, we started to fade. I just thought that we could carry on on an upward curve, and that. That, in my opinion, means winning a trophy next season. And the the of the two trophies, the easiest to win is is the Challenge Cup. And the fact that we lost it by one point this year, I think we lost it with a a penalty that didn't go into touch. I think that, that that's how close we were. And um, yeah, like Scott says again, let's if we can get to Wembley, uh, let's go out and put on a show. Because a lot of clubs, a lot of clubs do that. They say you've got to lose to to win, as it were. Well, let's bloody win next time. Eh? Um, everybody, we've we've everybody will be on to us now. Everybody will be. We're not the team that's going to try and beat one of the top teams. We're one of the top teams that everybody else is going to try and beat. And so we've got to keep on that upward curve. And I think. By virtue of that, I think a trophy would be nice. One hundred percent, Dan. Um, if we did the same as we did this season, would you be happy? Dan, you need to unmute yourself. There we go. Again, doing your job, aren't I? Same as Graham said. No, when I was on last week with you and Graham, I said anything less is mediocrity, and it we're accepting. If we for me, challenge cup, yeah, it's nice. But obviously if in the first round we draw St. Helens away or Wigan away, we get knocked out. It's I was gonna say the the caveat to, 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 to it is is that other teams who have done not as well this season will be expected to do better. Yeah. So for me, and there's only so many teams who can win a trophy. There's only so, so you know, 
not everybody can do better because if everyone did better, then. Well, yeah, know. exactly. For, for me, the the the, the cup's a nice bonus, isn't it? Let's say if we get knocked out in the first round by Wigan away, it's understandable, isn't it? But like this year, we got Batley at home. Yeah, so great. The league for me is the important one because it's consistency over the season, isn't it? If we finish fifth next season, it means somebody's improved more than us. And if we're sort of the way we're talking and the way we're saying we've got this power board, we're signing players, we're doing this, we're doing that. If we're moving forward and we if we're to move forward and we finish fifth now, well then we've gone backwards. Somebody else has leapfrogged us in terms of improvement. <clears throat> and for me, that's that'd be a disappointment. So anything below fourth for me is 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 a it's not a negative season, is it? If you finish fifth, but do you know what I mean? Especially if we finish outside the playoffs, for me, that's a major step backwards. Yeah, it's a great point, Graham. Um, I want to get your opinion on twenty twenty four. Would Rovers winning the league leaders' shield? But failing in the Challenge Cup and then ultimately failing in the playoffs, would that represent success? I think it would because it'd be an improvement on the season this season. Um, I think you'd want to, yeah, like we've said before, like the lads have said already, you want to, to show that you can take that next step forward and uh, look. As mentioned before, everybody's going to be wanting to win the, the you know the trophies and Mr. Hull Rockers again. Wigan Saints, Cats are all in the same boat. There's, a, there's not enough trophies to go around for everybody to win them. So nobody's going to give you them. So you've got to earn the right to, to win it. And if you finish top of the pile at the end of the season, you deserve to be there after 27 rounds. So fair play. Um, would it be disappointing if we then didn't kick on into the uh, into the playoffs? Well, if you won the League Leader Shield, you've got a home tie, you've got a week off. Um, but the chances are you're going to have some, you know, one of the big boys coming to your to your patch to, to to play. If you got knocked out there, is it disappointing? Yeah, I think it would be. Um, I think the area an area for improvement for me, just jumping sideways a second, John, is when we look at our home form, it's been very good. And Byron Warrington, we've beaten everybody this season. And the, the key area where I think we need to improve is if you look at the top six, obviously we're one of those. We didn't beat any of those other five teams away from home. So that, that for me, is an area for improvement to, to prove that we're on the right trajectory of mixing it with the big boys is going away to Wigan and winning or going away to Saints or Cats or Lee and, and, or Warrington and putting in a performance that comes away with two points. Because I think that's where there's an area of improvement for me that, that's needed. The consistency at home, I think we're, we're good at home and we accept that. But when we come up against those big boys who are competing in and around us at the top six, we haven't pulled away with a victory like this season. So for me, that's an area for improvement. And I think if we can do that, then people will really start to take notice if we can pick a couple of them wins up and maintain the same level of performance we've done at home this season. That should stand us in really good stead. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. James, hopes for 2024. 
just really echo what uh, what Graham was saying. I think you know, for me, that if, you, if we're going to step on to the next level, that's what we need to be doing: is winning you know, away at the at the other clubs around us in the top top six. Because by doing that, you're not only helping yourself; you, you're actually pushing them back as well. Um, but for me, I think you know, in terms of the hope for 2024, I think we've made some really really good signings for next season. You know, we're bringing in we're bringing in Gildar, we're bringing in Hiku. I'm so looking forward to seeing Tyrone May play. I mean, he's been absolutely outstanding for Catalans this year, and and for me, it's really sort of seeing those players gel and sort of buy, buy into the ethos of the club and sort of keep that squad, that close knit squad that we've had this year, and keep it going. Because I think you know, we've had the closest squad we've, we've probably ever had in the last sort of few years, and I think it's really shown in the result, in the in the results and the, and the performances. You know, it looks like they all really want to. Want to play for each other, play for the club, etc. So you know, bringing in those, all this new talent, I think it's again indicative of how far the club has come. I think you know it's only about you know three, four years ago that we were scratching around at the end of a season trying to pick up, you know, who was who was available that nobody else seemed to want, and that's no disrespect to those players that that came in because you know, you know they're sort of we're brought in to do a job, but now we're getting on the front foot. You know, we're starting to lay down markers for long-term contracts for our key players for you know three, four years, and they're wanting to stay with the club. We're tracking the likes of you know Gildar. You know, he's been playing in the NRL. He's won grand finals with Wigan. He's an England international. Hiku, New Zealand international. As I said, Tyrone May won a won a grand final with Penrith. You know, these are the sort of players that we want to be attracting. And if other players in the future can see those the way the club's going. Then again, the club becomes an attractive proposition, um, and I think the other thing is just really hopefully we can stay clear of injuries. You know, it'd be great to see Abdul on the pitch for uh, the majority of the season, uh, just because I think you know he's got that extra bit as well. I think he needs to be on there, and yeah, it's just it's maintaining that squad cohesion and that sort of squad um, keeping us injury free, and then that will help push us on. Yeah, 100%. And I suppose, Carl, um, my um, hope for 2024 is that we give, or the supporters give, Willie Peters and the players, um, I don't know, the pressure's not built up at the start of the season because there's no doubt that we've seen it's a long old <laughs> marathon in it this season and and necessarily doesn't necessarily mean that if you if you get off to a bad start that you you're going to get off to a bad finish and I, I just hope we have a bit of patience because the the worry is with the expectations that uh, Willie Peters and the squad have created in terms of them finishing in a Challenge Cup final place and and being the uh, the semi final of the the playoffs the expectation is that we'll hit the ground running especially like James said with some of the signings we've made but my hope for 2024 is that the supporters just just bide the time, give the players the benefit of the doubt, and we come good at the end of the season. And I'm I'm sure that they will. Uh, because Carl, you can't, you know, there's no doubt that Willie Peters, the players, they've built up the expectation levels and and as good as Rover supporters are, you know, there is sometimes when we do sort of we're a bit short and we 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 sort of lose our shit a little bit too quick and, and we start panicking and it's all from a good place because we want the best for the side. We want the best for all Kingston Rovers. But I've just thought we have a bit of patience come the start of the season when um, who knows what might happen. No, no, for sure. That's 
in a funny way, that's the uh, that's the downside of having a successful season, is it? It's human nature that people want more, more success, more success. Build every year, build every year. But for me, we've we've been great this year. Uh, my expectations for twenty four, you know, it's it's like everybody else. And I was saying a second ago, we want the best of everything, don't we? So can easily say, well, league and cup double. But in reality, for me, it's building them blocks and them tight games this this year, like the semi-final and the playoffs and the Challenge Cup final. Yeah, we got blown away in that semi-final game. We lost the Challenge Cup by that one that one point. For me, it's building them blocks to make sure we're in them big games year upon year upon year. And then the more, the, more you're involved in them games, the more chance that you can deal with the situation and the occasion. And hopefully that will get us over the line to get a trophy. So for me, the, you know, the expectation is the obvious thing to say is silverware, but it's you know being able to compete in them big games year in, year in out, that gives you the drive and the, the focus to win them big games to bring to bring the silverware back for me. So it's all about building blocks, in my opinion. Yeah. And who would have thought Hull Kingston Rovers would be two wins away from playing the Wild Club Challenge? Uh, who would have thought that a few years ago? Uh, so it's funny how uh, things turn, isn't it? But that's it. The last Red Robin Podcast Weekly of the season is now complete. I have got a few um, Heritage Cast lined up this season, uh, or before the start of next season, uh, which will be very, very special. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for them because they are going to be uh, great listens. A massive, huge thank you to everyone who has watched the podcast on YouTube or listened over the course of the season. Also, a big thank you to Budget Tires Auto Centre um, the, for their continued support throughout 2023. Remember, they are the only car specialists trusted by the players, club officials and supporters of Hull Kingston Rollers. And lastly, thank you to my podcast panel of loyal regulars who have joined me over the course of the season and give me their opinions on Hull Kingston Rovers. But for one last time, please remember to live, love, laugh and be happy. (laughs) 